You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. You can open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm so thankful for God's Word. Where would we be without the truth of God's Word? I'm also so thankful that the Lord loves us enough, listen, to tell us the truth. The Lord loves you and me enough to tell us the truth when it's perceived as wonderful truth or maybe as difficult truth. He loves us enough to tell us the truth. Our God does not sugarcoat the truth. He doesn't downplay or hide the truth. He knows that in order for his children, his church, listen, this is so key today, in order for his Children in church to be prepared, they must be informed with truth. And with this truth comes knowledge, you see. And with knowledge, then, we can apply that knowledge rightly. That's called wisdom. Why do you think some of the greatest military attacks come in the form of an ambush? Because the opponent seeks to catch their, their, their enemy off guard in oblivion and then they rout them because they're not prepared, they're not ready, they don't have the clear thinking of what's happening. But in our text today, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through Paul, listen, preparing Timothy for the reality of difficulty in the days to come. And that's why our sermon title then is also our thesis and what timing this text is again for us. Our sermon title is this, Difficult Days Are Ahead. Difficult Days Are Ahead. This is the inevitable reality of the Christian. And, and church, listen, listen. What I just said should not catch you off guard if you have any semblance of a comprehension of Scripture. This should not be a surprise. Even as our world tries to drug us on a daily basis, this should not catch us off guard. Personally, I'm so thankful for passages like this because it sends believers into training and discipline. Remember, the theme of this entire series is to fight the good fight. And think about it one of the biggest mistakes a fighter can make is to underestimate their opponent, the fighter that is flabby. The fighter that is ill-prepared, lacks proper conditioning, not prepared in strategy, a fighter that walks into the ring and those conditions or situations, they will soon be knocked out on their back unconscious. They're not ready to fight. They're not in shape. They haven't prepared. They haven't thought about a strategy. Let me be crystal clear. In our day today, let me be crystal clear. Everyone watching at home right now, let me be crystal clear. This is not a time for flabby Christians. This is not a time for ill-prepared, falling asleep people who call themselves disciples of Jesus Christ. This is not a time to be drowsy with the things of the world. This is not a time to be ill-prepared. 
And I'm telling you again, the Holy Spirit has us here right now in this text, in this letter, in his word to prepare us and to get us in increasingly better shape by the Holy Spirit and the strength and grace of God. So with Bibles open, I pray here and at home with openness and eagerness and urgency. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. The only command in our verses here, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women burdened with sins and they're led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Yambras opposed Moses, so these men also oppose the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Verse 9, but they will not get very far for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. We begin here today in this sermon centered on difficult days ahead. Number one is this, reality check, church, reality check, just that, difficult days are ahead. little reality check for us right now. Verse one, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, I want to start with the first word in verse 1. Look at the first word. It's the first word is but. This is the transition pointing back from chapter 2, verses 25 to 26. Look at that, 20, 25. Uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Notice that they may come to their senses, escape from the snare of the devil, after being captured by him to do his will. So notice in chapter 2 at the very end here, notice, the beauty of God granting repentance. And by the way, join with me in praying that God would grant the gift of repentance to hundreds and thousands in our day. Beg God to do that. Church, we need more people to be raised up as intercessors at this church in this time. We need the Holy Spirit to call men, women, and children to a greater sense of urgency in prayer. That God may grant repentance as a gift. Because notice what happens when people are truly given the gift of repentance to see Christ as Savior and Lord. Notice, they have a knowledge of the truth. They come to their senses. They escape the snare of the devil who has captured them to do his will, they are freed from that. This is the power of turning to Christ in repentance. That's why lives are never the same again. Just like the baptism testimony we heard today, so awesome. Repentance leads people an entirely new path in Jesus Christ. And then we come to chapter 3, verse 1, though, and Paul says to Timothy, 
He says, but understand this, young Timothy. As much as we desire to see God grant repentance and to see lives change, he says, but understand this. The reality, Timothy, is along with that prayer, difficult days will come in the last days. Notice that a huge part of pastoring Timothy, listen church, a huge part of Paul pastoring Timothy from prison is to prepare Timothy for reality. See, Paul's not trying to sugarcoat it either. Paul's preparing Timothy for reality so he won't be ambushed. How many professed Christians say they see the the good parts of Jesus Christ, oh, I'll take that, I'll take that, and then they walk out into the world and they get hammered and they get sucker punched and all of a sudden they're like, I didn't sign up for this, and they're gone, gone. Ambushed, not ready, ill-prepared. Paul knows that Timothy will not make it if he's ill-prepared. His expectations must align with reality. Why do you think Paul goes out of his way to prepare Timothy for suffering? In this letter alone, how many times? In fact, in the context of our text today, we'll flow next week, Lord willing, into chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Take a look there. 12 to 14, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. No sugarcoating there, church. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So the last thing you could accuse Paul of right now is bait and switch. It's the last thing you could accuse him of. He puts it all on the table for Timothy. Listen, listen. He puts it all on the table for us. In the last days will come times of difficulty. To follow Christ is the narrow and hard road. That's why gospels, false gospels, like the prosperity gospels, are so fraudulent. They're a mockery to the Bible and the gospel. They present a total false, false teaching that can nowhere be found based on Scripture. This is what's based in Scripture, what we have today. And church, this is why we must have a reality check. Because it brings clarity, which brings wisdom, which brings urgency. I mean, even even as I wrote this, this part of this sermon this week, I mean, at my desk and in my study, like literally my, 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 my physical heart began to beat fast. Like literally as my spiritual heart began to beat fast as well. Physically, literally, and spiritually, the urgency of the Holy Spirit again upon my life and heart to see how important this is upon the church today. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but at some point for the church, at some point, COVID must take a back seat to the kingdom. At some point... Some of you might say, it already has taken a backseat. Good. Then we need more people to understand the reality and the urgency of that which we face. But also, listen, for some, this is maybe even more important. For some, for some, our comfort can no longer have a greater priority than the kingdom. 
The idol of comfort in our day is leading so many believers astray. Just, just take your heart right now. We are so used to ease and comfort and a life we get, whatever we want. The Western world has no clue, no clue. And we worship comfort so much, so often more than we worship Christ. Because at the end of the day, we want comfort more than Christ. That has to change to be the true church. You deal with your own heart right now. You deal with how penetrating, convicting that is. You decide how much comfort means to you. And so many of the things that are happening in the season that we're in is really about the comfort of the individual over the whole. Verse 1, in the last days, there will be times of difficulty. Last days. What's the last days? That term in Scripture is broad enough to refer to the birth of the church at Pentecost. But it's very appropriate to see this as the season immediately before the return of Christ. Both are valid. The word difficulty there in verse 1 is also translated perilous. The only other time that word is used in the New Testament is found in Matthew chapter 8 describing the two demon-possessed men that were so fierce that no one could pass. You put those together and it indicates this. You take 2 Timothy 3.1 with Matthew 8 indicates this, the increasing violence of demonic activity as the end draws near as the return of Christ gets close. Again, loved ones, reality check, reality check. The increasing demonic violence that will be seen upon us as the return of Christ gets near. Again, again, church, church, we have to be people who pray. Like, the awareness of the reality of spiritual warfare that surrounds us on a daily basis. You cannot fall asleep during this time. Like, now is the time to pray and to seek and to love and to live for Christ. God, help us by your spirit that you might be Raising up individuals with a burden to do that of the Holy Spirit. Church, I want you to know all watching right now, and I pray there's conviction all over the place. I do, just like it is for me. It's big time right now for me. I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I am trying to be a realist. You're reading the same passage I am. What would you do with it? It's just right here in front of us. Again, Paul desperately wants Timothy to be prepared. Look at what Paul said in his first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says, look at that, that in later times some will depart from the faith. The Spirit expressly says some will depart from the faith. Why? By devoting themselves, by loving, by worship. Listen, deceitful spirits, teachings of demons. You don't think there's spiritual warfare around us? I mean, that's what Satan exactly wants us to think. No, no, there's no spiritual warfare. It's just kind of people moving around doing stuff. The teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences have been seared. Wow, wow. Just look at that for a second. Be prepared, Timothy. 
Be prepared, man. You can't be a flabby Christian. Reality check, man. The difficult days are upon us, and difficult days will come. Pastoral transparency for you right now, I want to confess to you that in my flesh, I want the easy life. My flesh wants comfort. I want ease as well. My flesh wants that. But the Holy Spirit within me, the Holy Spirit within me won't let me get away with it. He won't. And he keeps saying to me, Robbie, the last time I checked, Jesus never called us to easy, but he called us to glory. And I have no argument back based on an open Bible and an open heart. Just a desire to submit and to see the power of God among us in a day that is so desperately needed. Again, what did Jesus say in Matthew? You you cannot say he didn't tell us. In Matthew chapter 7, wide and easy is the road to destruction. Everyone's taking that. Narrow and hard is the way to eternal life. So many live like they've never heard that verse before. God help us. God help me. I'll just start with me. God help me. Help me. Reality check, point number two. Authenticity check. Avoid the counterfeits. Avoid the counterfeits. In verses two and five, notice, for people will be lovers of self, and then this list of 18 characteristics of wicked sin. 18. Notice the first two words in verse 2. For people. Hey, Timothy, in the last days will come times of difficulty. Why? For people. Not situational circumstance. For people. People are the reason for the difficult days. The difficult days is a people problem. The difficulty is caused by sin in people. By corrupt hearts. By the wickedness of the overflow of the evil within every human heart. Sin is described here over and over again. Notice, trees and weather and animals, they can't sin. Humans can, and humans do. So what you have here, you have the explanation of the difficulty and the corruption that is found and revealed in idolatrous human love of sin and a lack of true character. And what follows here in these verses here, what follows seems to describe the increasing intensity of sin and evil to be expected as the day of Christ draws near. That's what we take from these verses right here. I want you to see where this is ending. I want you to look at verse 5. It says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Notice this, the appearance of godliness. Like, so you have the list of sins, 18 wicked, evil sins, and yet even after that, the end says they have the appearance of godliness. That's how deceitful sin is. But denying its power. There's a facade of virtue. There's a pretense of righteousness, but in the end, it's shallow, it's empty. There's a shadow that is seen, but there's no substance to it. 
There's a form it looks like, but there's no actual flesh attached to it. There's no substance, no power, no reality. It's counterfeit godliness, and these people must be avoided, the Bible says. You think even in our day, people still stand up and claim to be a person of faith. You hear that all the time. People stand up and claim to be religious in nature, or they're just in inventing their own religion of righteousness themselves, what they say leads in that direction. But notice what the Bible's telling us right here. They have an appearance of godliness, but in the end, their lives have no power. There's no reality of God there. There's no fruit of the Holy Spirit. So many corporations in our day are signaling virtue all over the place, but there's nothing to it. There's no power to actually transform hearts. So many people have on sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Demons imitating believers, Satan masquerading as light, as Corinthians says. So because this is such a danger for the church, Paul lists evidence for those who are false. Again, 18 characteristics of corrupt character. What I want you to notice here, the book ends of this list. Notice how the list starts in verse 2. Notice how the list ends there in verse 4. Okay, Notice, it's a bookend of love. Isn't that so interesting? But notice, what kind of love? Love of self. The love of self is the very essence of sin. The text says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, not loving good, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. The appearance of godliness, but denying its power. The love of self, the essence of sin. No wonder then the two greatest commandments in Scripture, love God, not self. Love your neighbor. And some people try to turn that and say, oh, you got to love yourself. or something. No, no, the love of neighbor is the sacrifice of self because the love of God, it's the denial of self and the love of others. All of life comes down to love. Do we love ourselves or do we love God? This is the battle of the human heart. Church, make sure you see this. William Barclay, he said this, the, the love of self is the basic sin from which all others flow. I'll say that again. The love of self is the basic sin from which all others flow. You want to show me a ruined marriage? I'll show you a love of self somewhere. Barclay continues this very important thought. He says this, the moment a man makes his own will the center of life, Divine and human relationships are destroyed. Sit on that, think about it, digest that. The reason for difficulty, the love of self. Obedience to God and charity to men both become impossible when a person decides that the reason for their lives centers on self-will and self-love. The essence of Christianity is not the enthronement, but the obliteration of self. And the Holy Spirit just said amen. Look at that, loved ones, look, look. The greatest disease in our lives on a daily basis is a love for self and a self-will focus of what we think we want, we need, we desire, we must have, we, us, me, I. 
in the last days there'll be times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self. And a society that's built on the love of self is a society that is absolutely destined to be destroyed. After all, in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan shows up, Satan's whole demise was Satan's self-love. Think about it. The reason Satan took on his own position was his self-love. He wanted to be God. And then in his own self-love and wanting to destroy and hate God, he then tempts Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve and their self-love. They commit the first sin and the whole world falls apart after that. I encourage you in 2 Timothy chapter 3 to sit on this list with stillness and patience. And maybe just as a starting point to allow the Holy Spirit just to reveal to you and I any areas that we need to quickly repent of and run away from as fast as we can that, that we might, may not quench and grieve the Holy Spirit. You, you look at this list in detail here. There's so much here in God's Word. It's just amazing. But just look at it with me. Look at verse 2. Let me just maybe read it slowly. I mean, the Holy Spirit can just work and he can just allow us to be broken before him in different ways and even just a desire for holiness and love. But notice in the last days, people will be lovers of self. Self-interest, self-ease, self-indulgence, self-promotion, self-comfort. They'll be lovers of money. Lovers of money. One of the greatest corruptors of the human heart, which has led billions to deception and death, the love of money. They will be proud, arrogant. Oh, how pride destroys. This is the disease of the human heart that kills the power of God. They will be abusive. This is speaking evil against others. This is filled with unrighteous anger and harsh and, and, and hatred within. Notice the emphasis on the family. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, all direct denials of Christian New Testament virtue. It's speaking the idea of a, a, a militant moral perversion. Again, in the family, the degrading and the destruction of the family is the destruction of society all around us right now. Heartless, unappeasable. This speaks to the heart that is so hostile that a truce is impossible. Forgiveness is totally impossible as well. Heartless, unappeasable. Can't be reasoned with. Without self-control. Speaks of someone who is totally dominated by outside influences. There's no self-mastery. People will be brutal. That is the opposite of what is civilized. Not loving good. Are those who hate good and have, listen, they hate good and they've replaced it with something that soothes their sin. Treacherous and reckless. People here, they fall headlong into sin, and to be honest, they don't care. They're treacherous. They're reckless. There's no conscience. There's no hesitation towards evil. They just run right into it with abandonment, it seems. Swollen with conceit. These people are so swollen with self, they fail to see any other. They are packed and jammed with sinful self-importance. And then it ends with lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. 
Look at that for a second. This is when pleasure becomes a substitute for God. This is when materialism or entertainment is far more important than holiness. Loved ones, this is the cause of difficult days ahead. This is the cause of difficult days upon us right now. And notice again, notice in verse 5, the only command in these nine verses, the only imperative right there in the Greek, avoid such people. Avoid such people. People what? People with the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. They have an appearance, but there's no power. There's no true love for God. There's no true love for others. There's no fruit of the Holy Spirit. There's no sincerity. Again, there's no authenticity. There's no power of the Holy Spirit. There's a ton of talk. There might be some outward legalistic behavior, but within you can tell there's no authentic. They are counterfeits in religion and forms of religion. Oh God, may we not have signs of counterfeit upon our lives. Reality check. Authenticity authenticity check. And number three, folly check. A folly check. Expose it with the truth. Expose the folly with the truth. Look now at verse 9. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Jonas and Jambus opposed Moses, so these men also, notice, oppose the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. Timothy, be alert, be awake. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all as that was of, again, as was that of those two men. So what's, what's, what's happening here? These false teachers, huge emphasis here. These false teachers, imposters who have an appearance of godliness but with no power. These wicked people, they seek to prey on the vulnerable, notice. They seek to prey on the naive. They seek to prey on those who are already deceived. The text says they creep into households. They capture weak women, the text says, which is just creepy to think about. But in this context, again, in Paul's day, women were especially susceptible because of their low status in society and often a lack of knowledge or education. But don't miss also, it says here, these women were also burdened with sins and led astray by their own passions. So what you have here, you, you, you have a vulnerable sector, but is doubly vulnerable because of their own distraction by their own sinfulness. They are ripe to be taken over by the enemy and abused and used for Satan's purposes. Think how that has applied over the years and how many people have been duped into sin and places of destruction because, again, they were already so distracted. Notice the text says too, it says they were always learning. So listen, um, so much information, so much content, so much talking, so much gathering, and yet never able to arrive at the truth. Isn't that so tragic? That's our world. So much information, no transformation. So many philosophical ideas, no real heart change. So many band-aids, no true pure change. So many suggestions. Again, no transformation. Always learning, but never able to arrive at the truth. You know, I wonder, maybe some listening right now, some watching right now, maybe an overflow, maybe here right now. I think of the people who have sat in church for years. Some children here, you've sat in church for years. Some people, 
You've sat in church for years. Some people, you've heard versions of the truth of the gospel for years. You could recite some of it back to me, but you and I both know, again, in the heart of hearts, how many people have a version of the truth, but they've never really arrived at it. There's knowledge. There's no transformation. Always learning. Never actually changing. Tragic. This is what Paul's describing to Timothy. And then he provides the example of Giannis and Yambras. This is coming from Exodus chapter 7 to 9, whose names only appear here, by the way, in the New Testament. They do not, they're not named in Exodus. They were Egyptian magicians who opposed Moses. They were counterfeits by Satan, but in the end they were exposed. That's the point that Paul's making here to Timothy. Timothy, you will have men in the last days. You must expect men who will oppose the truth everywhere. They will be corrupt in mind everywhere. They are disqualified in the faith everywhere. Timothy, be prepared. Be prepared. This is going to happen. They will oppose truth, but in the end, their counterfeit nature will be exposed. Expect the opposition. Expect the corruption. But expect the Lord Jesus Christ in the end will reveal who they really are and what they're really about. But these men creeping into households, preying on the vulnerable, you know, I thought about that this week and I thought, I mean, how much has that ever, has that ever been happening more of people creeping into minds and households through the internet? Creeping into minds that are vulnerable and susceptible and weak and exploiting and ravaging and destroying on a daily basis. The false teaching attacking the church, the false teaching attacking the truth. Paul says, but Timothy, in the end, their folly will be exposed. The single greatest way to expose folly is to be a man or woman or child who is so living and bathing in the truth of the word of God. Listen, these are days where difficulty is promised. Listen, these are days of discernment that is needed. Days of difficulty require days of discernment like never before. Church, listen, listen, man, love you so much. Everyone watching, love you so much. We must be men and women of discernment. Discernment comes from a devotion to the word of God. If you don't know God's word, you won't have discernment. You won't have the ability to apply the wisdom to the knowledge you're receiving. This is the truth that allows us to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart that divides between soul and spirit. It's the word of God which is living and active. Days of discernment so, so needed. Again, in our day, the amount of false religions in our society, false religions in our educational systems, false religions across every form it seems again. This is not a time for flabby Christians. This is not a time for flabby Christians. I hope I don't need to say again that we are living in important times. Church, I hope I don't need to say that, but what I do need to say is now is the time. Now is the time. Like, I'm super burdened by this, but also in some ways super excited. Okay, I'll admit to you right now, in the days when I think about all that's happening, and I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking as much as ever, man, praying as much as ever, and reading my Bible as much as ever, and looking and observing and trying to discern. There are times when I look at all that, I look across, and you kind of see where this is all going, and there are times I'll be tempted with fear. 
But I looked at Jesus Christ. I looked at Jesus Christ and his sovereignty and his glory and his promises and everything. He said, Robbie, why would you be surprised? I said, it's going to happen beforehand. And then it turns from a temptation to fear to a desire of excitement and even expectancy. How much will God do in the days? He's going to refine the church. He is, man. There's a refining going on right now. There's a purification of those who are in. Are you in or out? Some watching right now, are you in or out? I mean, this is happening for the glory of God. So now is the time. Now is the time for what? Several things, and I end with this. Now is the time, number one. Now is the time for this. It's, it's the time to wake up. It's the time to wake up. How many times scripture says, again, be sober-minded, alert, be awake, don't fall asleep. Secondly, it's the time for this. It's the time to cling to truth. You have to be a man or woman on truth. I hear the stats of how few believers, and then even in this church, who are not in the word. I don't know what else to do. The truth is our protection. Now is the time. Now is the time. Next, now is the time to be closely connected. We must be in community with other believers. Listen, listen, as, as, as lovingly but as strongly I can say this. If this is not happening right now, that's a problem. You cannot do this thing just on Sunday morning. You have to be connected in Christian community now more than ever. Figure it out. We are doing everything we can to connect as many people as we can. We need your help. You will not make it on your own. You will not make it on your own. Now is the time. Now is the Be gracious with other people. Love other people. Give of self, not just wanting to receive. Fourthly, now is the time to fight for holiness. And if you sense that theme in 2 Timothy, man, not vessels of dishonorable use, vessels of honorable use. Now's the time to put away your sin. Now's the time to destroy pornography. Now's the time to get rid of your lying and greed. Now's the time to stop building up your own self-empire. Now's the time to pursue Christ. Now's the time for a clean heart. Now's the time to love Christ more than you love entertainment. Now's the time to give yourself for Christ. Now's the time to repent. Now's the time to be cleansed. Now's the time to love him. Now's the time to sing. Now's the time to find joy in Jesus. Now's the time. Don't wait another moment. Now's the time. Fifthly, now's the time for an urgent clarity. We have to discern. We have to think so clearly. We can't be distracted. We've got to see the prize of heaven and go after it. We've got to get all the sin that entangles, put it aside, get rid of it, and to see clearly, to live clearly, to live powerfully and urgently. Now's the time. Six, now's the time for simplicity. I'm personally burdened, church. Ready? For believers right now, now is not the time to have more stuff. Now is the time to have less. Lean and mean. Now is not the time to be distracted by all these things we own. Now is the time to simplify, to put our lives ready, organized, in order, to be set free for the use of the kingdom in the days, years to come. Burdened by this. Be very wise in what you're seeking to do and how you're spending, again, God's entrusted money to you and the time you spend to. Now is the time for simplicity. You don't think Paul would agree with that? Just be very wise. 
Get rid of the stuff that entangles so you can pursue the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Seven, now's the time for expectancy. When this starts to happen, this, this is going to happen. When this starts to happen in the church, look out, man. Look out. Expectancy and why. Let me end with one verse. Hard text today. Let me end with this, John 16, 33. Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. In Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one who gives peace. In this world, you, you will have tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. Take heart, church. Take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Amen? Look at that, look at that, look at that. Sobering excitement. Clarity, urgency. Humbled, faith-filled at the same time. In this world, you will have tribulation. Take heart, take heart, Jesus says. I have overcome the world. Give your life to Jesus Christ, never to die again. Turn from all your sin. Embrace his forgiveness that you may live forever. Church, now's the time. Now's the time. I want you to know, last thing, last thing, I'm gonna pray. Messages like this and things like this, in some ways I try to, personally, I try to, I'd rather in some ways not have to, or it's, 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 it's not easy to do that. And yet before the Lord, and with a heart that's broken before him, I'm simply trying to be obedient with the Holy Spirit's asking me to do. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to be obedient. Just make me popular. People don't like me. Some people hate me. But that's not the point, is it? That's not the point. Just trying to see in the days we have and the reality of what's coming to have the church prepared as a bride washed by the word and ready to be used. And God, help me. Help me and my wife. Help me and my kids. Help me and the church I'm a part of. To be willing, to be willing to do whatever it is for the sake of Christ. Because the day is coming so soon. He's going to return. So soon. And all that matters is him. Not politics. Not stuff. Not hobbies. It's Jesus. All that matters is Jesus. All that matters is Jesus. And I know that's true. I know it's true now. So God, help me to live like that's true in the time that you come. That's where this comes from. And it comes from here. Holy Spirit, would you do something unique and special in our day, would you? Not just hearers, God, doers. Please, God, please, I beg you. I'm so tired of hearers. Let's see, transformation. Pray with me. Please pray with me. Jesus, I love you. I love you. There's no one like you. You are awesome in glory. You are, you are so wonderful in majesty and splendor. You are the king of kings. You are the great I am. You are the one who holds the keys to death and life. You are the Lord of the universe. We love you. And Lord, I love this church. I love these people. I love serving with them. I love loving them. I love growing with them. I love these years we've had together and pursuing you with them. And so God, I pray, I pray you will be raising up 
so many hundreds of individuals. I pray your Holy Spirit is right now breaking hearts at home. Like just, just crushing them in love. Crushing them in grace. Just broken with tears filling their lives out of sadness of sin but of love for Christ. In these last days, they will be difficult, but in these last days, we have Jesus Christ, and we take heart for you to overcome the world. So, Lord, I pray against fear, but I pray for tremendous faith. And I pray for services like today will add up in tremendous desire to leave what is behind and strain forward to what lies ahead, pursuing the upward call of the prize that is found in the glory of Christ Jesus. May it be so. And, Lord, I pray you will use this final song. I pray you will use it so powerfully. We know it so well, but I pray you will use it in a tremendous encouragement to give you glory and honor. We pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's stand together and worship Jesus.